Let's just pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you care about each and every one of us, exactly where we're at, exactly how we're feeling, whatever the past week has been and whatever the future week brings. God, I thank you that you love us. And I pray that this morning you would speak to our hearts. I pray that, God, that you would challenge and change us so that we become more like Jesus. God, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And I pray that this morning, as we listen to you, that you would take us on a new and a fresh journey into your purposes for us. God, speak to us each individually, I pray today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning... I've been asked to speak about breathing new life into your passion, your freedom, and your kindness. And for those who are with us regularly, passion, freedom, and kindness are our core values as a church. These are the These are the glue that hold us together. These are the things that we hope that you see and recognize within everything that we do as a church without us really have to say say anything about it. That you see that there's passion. And it may not be someone jumping around like a crazy person because they're that passionate. It may be just someone's passion in looking after you or showing care to you. Passion can come out in many different ways. Freedom and kindness equally come out in many different ways in individuals individually for us but we hope that the things that you see within us as a church and that you resonate with and say yeah that that means something to me I catch hold of that and we just wanted to talk this morning about how we can breathe new life into our passions how we can breathe new life into our freedom and breathe new life into the kindness that we have as a church but as individuals as well and this morning I want to speak to you as individuals about your individual passion about your individual freedom and about your individual individual acts of kindness and and that's sort of the way that I'm going from this this morning you know, and breathing new life into something, it's a bit like having a spring clean. It's freshening things up. And it's sort of the time of year for spring cleans. So that's why we thought we'd have a new kitchen. The builders have been with us for about a week. We are thick in dust, so much so that I can write my name in things. And I clean it away and it just comes again. And I clean it away and there it is. It just comes again. And it just doesn't seem to want to leave, the dust doesn't. It seems to have taken permanent residence at our house. And I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a bit of a tidy freak at times. Not in drawers and cupboards because no one can see in there. That's fine, that can be a mess. I have no issue with that. But where people can see, I would like to be tidy and clean and everyone to think, wow, Sarah's really good at cleaning her house. And I think, yes, I am. Don't look in my cupboards. And we had some visitors, as you're well aware, from Canada the other month, Val and Ian Bird. And weren't they just a blessing? And you know, if you weren't here when they were here, I can't encourage you enough to go online and listen to Val's testimony, but also listen to Ian's message, because they were fantastic. And they stayed at our house in our spare room, um, and it's sort of downstairs. And there's there's a toilet attached to it and a shower room. And so... Everything that was in that room before they came had to go somewhere else. So it either went upstairs or it went to family in their spare rooms. 
And it was all fine. Everything looked really nice. We were living in a sort of world upstairs where you had to step over things. And it wasn't clean because I'd spent ages cleaning downstairs. And they'd been with us a couple of days. And I'm thinking, I'm just, it just looks clean, this house does. It's really good. And I'd go upstairs and think, oh, I'm glad they don't have to come up here to use the bathroom. And we took them out um, for a walk on the Saturday. And, and when they got va- back, Val said, girls, can I see your bedrooms? And something inside of me died. I think it's, it's still out cold, actually. And the girls were like, yes, of course you can. And I'm like, girls, get upstairs and clean those rooms while I make Val walk up the stairs really slowly and apologise to her on every step upon why I've not cleaned upstairs and why there's stuff everywhere and why there are unmentionables about that nobody should see. And you know what? She just didn't care. And suddenly I didn't care. And actually it was okay that she saw my mess and the reality of how we were living. And I think sometimes we need to come to that place where we allow God into the reality of what we shut away. Into the reality of what we try and hide away from people so they don't see it. The reality that isn't the face that we put on that says, I'm fine, yes, everything's great when we see people. And we suddenly allow people into the reality of those rooms that nobody normally sees. And that comes from relationship. It comes from trust. And we've got to grow in that. That's not an easy place to go. It's not an easy place to allow people to look into areas of your life that you don't want to share. It's not an easy place to go to let people come and look at the things that you're ashamed of and wished you'd never done. But until we allow that light in, until we allow God in or we allow somebody in, then that place will never be clean and tidy. And we can try and tidy it up a little bit before we share it with somebody, but the reality is the reality. And if we want to change and see something different in our lives, then we've got to allow people to come God to come and see those areas of us. And we can have our ideal, which we share with everybody and everybody sees. Everybody sees when they meet us. Everybody sees when they look at our social media accounts. We can have our ideal of what our life should be, but what is the reality of it? Because do you know what? God sees the reality, whether we choose to invite him there or not. God knows what you did. God knows what you do. God knows how you live. Whether you choose to let him in and help you deal with things or not, he sees it. You know, very often we we live our lives and we just get carried along. We just get pulled along with life, with the week after week, and it drags us through and takes us along. We get pulled along with it. But we don't actually stop and take a moment and consider where we're at. And do we actually want to be here? Do I want to be at this place in my life? Or do I want to change? Do I want to see God do something different? Do I want to talk to somebody about stuff that's going on? Do I want to move forward in my life? Is there more to it than this? And I think as a child, very often, we we think we can be anything and do anything 
We have such hope and we have such vision as a child and then age creeps up on us and we begin to be unsure and we begin to feel insecure and we begin to think, oh no, not me. But God wants to rekindle again within us all this morning, I believe, that childhood faith that says, I can. I can do that thing I dreamt of doing. I can be that person I hope to be that actually I'm not being anymore. I can. And God wants to stand there and say, yes, you can, and I'm cheering you on. This morning, God wants to breathe new life into us. And breathe new life into how we live our lives. In those areas where we really don't want him or anyone else to know about. But when we let people there, it actually changes something within us. Irreclably, I can't say that word, but it is a good word. So let's look at these different areas. Breathe new life into your passion. You know, when we talk about passion and you can say, oh, I'm passionate about this or that or many things. But the dictionary definition of passion is this. It is when you put more energy into something than is required to do. More energy than is required shows you've got passion about it. So when you, if I asked you what, am I, what you are passionate about, and you may think of something, ask yourself this, am I really? Because do I put more energy into that thing than I'm required to do? So we may say, oh, I'm passionate about my husband or my wife or my children or my job. And yet, do we put more energy into those relationships or into our job or into whatever it is, our hobby or whatever, than is required to do? Because if we don't, according to the dictionary, we're not actually passionate about it. And we like to throw this word about, I'm passionate about working with old people. I'm passionate about playing on my PlayStation. I'm passionate about new shoes. I'm passionate about having my hair done. I'm passionate about this person and I love them. But do we put more energy into that relationship or into those things than are required? What are you putting most of your energy into? Because whether you like it or not, whatever you're putting most of your energy into is the thing that you're passionate about. That may be the TV. That may be the new Amazon Prime series that's out. And you may actually stand up and say, yes, that is what I am passionate about. I live my waking moments for it. When is the next series coming out? I cannot cope. What are you putting most of your energy into? Because by default, that is what you're passionate about. Do you really want to put it into that thing? You've got to ask yourself that question. Is this what I really want to be passionate about? Do I really want to be passionate about complaining? Because that's what I've been putting most of my energy into. Do I really want to be passionate about moaning about my kids or my partner? Or my job. Because that actually becomes what you're most passionate about. Well, what are you most passionate about? I'm most passionate about complaining about my job. Is that what you want to be most passionate about? You've got to ask yourself these questions. Because if you're putting more energy, energy into the moaning and the complaining and the bickering and the putting people down, then that's what you're passionate about. 
If you spend all day putting other people down and having a go, then that's what you're passionate about. It's a scary thought. So I've got some questions for you. How do we find our passions then? Because some of us are actually passionate about things we're coming to realise this morning that we don't want to be passionate about. I don't want to be passionate about putting my kids down. I don't want to be passionate about moaning about the dust, although I've probably spent about three minutes of this preach doing it. But that's what I feel passionate about, and I don't want to be. Sometimes we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, this is where I'm at. I don't want to be like that anymore. Do you want to be how you are anymore? And if you do, that's great. But if you don't, this morning, let's begin on a journey of change. So how do we find our passions? We find them through curiosity and exploring. Sometimes we just come across something and we're like, I never knew. I never knew that I was passionate about this thing. I never realized it existed, but I just, it, I just come alive when I'm doing it. And sometimes when we don't know what we're passionate about, we have to take that time to explore things and have a go of things. Maybe you don't know what you're passionate about in church. Well, that's okay. Let's go on a journey. Try a few different areas of ministry and allow God to show you where you're passionate. Very often, we can find our passions through looking at the places where we lose track of time. Where you just do something and it just, where's all that time gone? Because you're enjoying it. That's another good way. Some of you just may be bad at keeping track of time. That doesn't mean you're passionate about everything. But for many of us, when you lose yourself in something, when it's just easy. Another way of looking and finding your passions is where your gut and your heart guidance. What's my heart saying? What's my heart telling me? And you know, sometimes our heart's not right. And that's why it's always good to talk to someone else and ask someone else before we begin on something. Get some guidance and wisdom in it. Another thing I've put on there is that it's not money-driven. Very often with jobs or with many things, well, why do we go to work? Well, I should imagine the majority of us in here aren't millionaires. So we go to work so that we can feed ourselves and so that we can clothe ourselves and so that we've got a house. That's why we go to work. That doesn't mean that you're not passionate about your job. Sometimes you get the best of both worlds and you get two things. But, but it's not money-driven, It's not the driving force of what we do. How else do we find our passions? I've written, don't give up. And give up. That may make no sense. But don't give up on reaching out and trying things. Other times we need to give up and let go. Because we strive and we drive at things. And actually all we need to do is let go. And allow God to show us. Actually, where's the right path for me to go? Where should I throw all of my energy into? Sometimes it's through training and expanding ourselves that we find our passions. We need to, we need to grow and understand things more. And if we don't take that time and energy to put something into ourselves, then we'll never know. This is a hard one. Ask others for brutal honesty. Do you think this is something I'm passionate about? And now we can be passionate about something... But we might not be very good at it. So, yeah, Paul, Paul's really passionate about singing in my ear next to me on a Sunday morning. He's actually not on the stage when people get up and sing. 
there's a reason for that. You know, I suffer in silence with it. Just turn my hearing aid off. There we go. It's okay now. But ask others. And sometimes we feel really passionate about something, but it just doesn't mean we should be doing it. It doesn't mean, just because we're passionate about it, it doesn't mean that it actually is helpful or kind to anyone else. And that's where we need people who will be brutally honest with us sometimes. How do we find our passions? Ask why we do things. We've talked about this a little bit, but why am I doing it? What is my secret motive behind it? Is it because it makes me feel better? Is it because I get a, I get a high out of it or a fix out of it? Why am I doing it? And sometimes to just take some time by yourself and just be quiet. So often we don't, we don't have that time. We don't put that time in to just stop and think and take a moment and allow where we're at and allow why we do what we do to sink in so that we can then move on. Can I encourage you? Take a moment every day. Have a few minutes of silence every day where you can allow yourself to listen and hear and see the reality of what's going on. It's really healthy for you. You know, and then we have to ask ourselves, where's my fat passion from? What is the root and purpose of it? There's a verse in the Bible from Matthew 6, verse 21 in the NIV that says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many of you probably heard it. It's a well-used part of the Bible. But I looked back at a couple of key words in this verse. And the word treasure in it means storehouse. It's for precious things. So where your precious things are, where your thoughts are, where the things that you store up are kept, things that are precious and important to you, it's a storehouse. So where your storehouse for your precious things are, says there your heart will be too. And when you look at the root meaning of heart, it means the effective center of our being. So if we treasure things that are precious to us in a certain place, then the effective center of our being as a person will be in that place too. So if the things that we put in that storehouse that are precious to us, and remember what I said at the beginning about passions and how we can put our passions into things that we don't mean to because simply we put more time and energy into it. So those things are stored in that place. They may be criticism. They may be laziness. They may not be things that you would think are good or healthy things, but inadvertently, we've got them in our storehouse and in our special place, our precious place. And it says in this verse in the Bible that that's where your heart is too. So your heart can be in the place with those things that actually you don't want it to be in that place. And it says it is the effective center of your being. That means it's the part that everything comes out of. If it's effective, it affects everything. It causes everything that you do. So in one way, if you put your passions in this storehouse, your heart is there as well. It could be things that you don't want your heart to be in and you don't want your heart acting out of. But because we never check ourselves, because we never consider what our passions really are and intentionally put them into place and say, I don't want that to be a passion. I don't want to put more time and energy into that. We suddenly become that. That's why it's so important to take a moment and stop. 
to stop where life's dragging us and taking us and consider. You know, I remember going swimming as a child and when Waterworld first came to Stoke and they got the rapids. Has anyone ever been in the rapids at the swimming baths? Yeah? Thank you. And I remember going in and it was like, whoa, it just takes you round. You don't need to swim. Just keep your head above the water so you don't drown. And you just go round and round and round and it's really nice until you want to get out. And then you suddenly think, I'm glad I had swimming lessons. So you're swimming and you're swimming. And then there's somebody coming in and you just bash them out of the way. And you get like black eyes trying to get out of the rapids as people are fighting to come in and people are fighting to get out. It's a scary place. Now, now, I have to do it with a child. So we have children and we take them to splash landings where the rapids are like none I've ever been in before. They're like pulling you around. If, if you hadn't got your swimming costume on properly, I think they'd probably rip it off. They're that strong. And they go round and round. And you think, I don't really don't want to go this fast. I'm going to puke. And they give you these, um, what are they called, rubber rings to sit on. And you're sort of going round. And it's like, if somebody's trying to stop it, it doesn't matter. My rubber ring is going to plow you out of the way. And you just go round and round. And then you try and get out. Now, you're not trying to get out on yourself anymore. You're trying to get the child out too. And you are pushing them and shoving them and grabbing onto things. And I shouldn't get my ear wet because of a health issue. This just has nothing to do with it. It's just like, let's get out of the rapids. Life can be like that. Life can take us round and round and we can keep going and we can keep going. And then suddenly we try and get out and it's hard work. So what do we do? We just think, I'll just stay in the rapids a bit longer, actually. (laughs) I'll try a different exit. I'll try the steps exit in a minute. And then there's someone standing on the steps, and it's like, do I grab them and use them as an anchorage, or shall I just go around again? And life can be like that. Life can be like the rapids. And we can find ourselves a rubber ring and float along really nicely for a while, but actually, do we really want to be in there? Do we really want that to be our passion? Do we really want that to be the thing that drives us? Because if we don't, it's sometimes not easy to get out of that place. But if you strive and if you push and if you keep going and if you keep saying, no, I'm not going to give in to this. No, I'm not going to be like that anymore. And you keep going and keep going. Eventually, what happens? You get out of the rapids. And it's like, I'm never going in that place again. But then actually, you go the next time and it's like, let's go in the rapids. And you get in and you get round and and it's just the same again. Can I encourage you? If you want to realign the treasures of your heart, if you want to realign what your passion and what your centre is, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it takes effort and hard work. Sometimes people need help. Like young children, you've got to throw them out. And we're here to help and support one another. That's what small groups are for. That's what teams are for. We're here to help and support one another and push and shove when you're trying to get out of the rapids and you just can't do it on yourself. We're here to help one another out and say, I don't want to be going round and round this cycle anymore. I want something new and different. Sometimes we just need to rekindle our passions. It's like the novelty wears off. You know, you have a new car, you redecorate the house, you have some new shoes. And you're like, 
these are the best thing in the world. And you want to wear your shoes all the time. And you want everyone to see your car. And you wash it all the time. And you look after it. And then after you've had it for about six months, it's not new anymore. And we've got to rekindle that passion. Why did I do it in the first place? Why did I get involved in the first place? Why did I say I would do this in the first place and go back to that original? And don't allow time to wear away your passion. Don't let the novelty wear off. Breathe new life into your passion. Whether that's something new and completely different or it's bringing refreshing into something that you're doing to keep you going. The second thing I want to say to you is this. Breathe new life into your freedom. And again, another really famous part of the Bible that's used an awful lot, John 8, 36. And it says this. So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And we're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I want to be free indeed. If the Son sets me free. How many of us actually want him to set us free? How many of us are actually happy where we are and we don't want to be free because then we'd have to change and do things differently? The word so at the beginning means by extension, here's how the dots are connected. So if you want the dots to be connected up in your life to move you forward, it's through the sun setting you free. So it's bringing an extension, it's bringing something more, it's connecting things together that you didn't think would ever line up and make a path through for you. It's about being free in reality. And sometimes we can be free in our own thinking and free to the extent that we choose to be, but in reality, how free are we? There's a huge connection between the freedom that we just live in on a day-to-day basis and the freedom that we can have through Jesus. And that connection is Jesus Christ. But do we actually want to connect the dots together so we can step across into the freedom of Jesus Christ? You know, as a child, I suffered with many things with my mental health and there were many different ways that I had help in finding freedom in it, and I did. And I lived from that point a life of of greater freedom. But then suddenly I realized even still I wasn't properly free. Sometimes you can be free, but you're not properly free. Does that make sense? And when I met Jesus, I realized, yes, I'm free to an extent, but I'm not properly free. I'm not properly free from the things that have held me down. And when Jesus comes into your life, the chains that have held you are no longer around. The cage that has held you is no longer there because you are free in him. There's a greater level of freedom. And you've got to ask yourself, what is my reality? If Jesus comes to bring freedom in reality, what is my reality and what does it look like? You know, what got you here won't get you there. We have to do something different and something new. Albert Einstein said this. He's got to be one of the cleverest men in the world ever, hasn't he? So I think it's something good to go on. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Something new and something different has to come into our lives. Something new from God Something new from his word. 
We need fresh and new revelation to move us on from the place where we are to the place that God's calling us to be. And you've got to ask yourself, how free am I? How free are you really? You may feel free, but could you be freer? Are there still things that chain you and hold you? And that question's great, but unless you can answer this one, is a pointless question. How free do you want to be? Because for many of us, just like I talked about those rapids, it's not easy getting to a place of freedom. It can be a struggle and it can be a strain and it can be hard work. How free do you want to be? How much effort are you willing to put into your freedom? When you look during World War II, the amount of times men who had been captured and put into concentration camps and prisoner of war camps, the amount of times some of them attempted an escape. I watched a really old cheesy black and white film the other week. Really not quite sure why I watched it, but I did. And then when you start, you can't stop. And um, it was about a guy during the war who, who was a fighter pilot who, who had no legs. And he got captured and... He had some artificial legs that they gave him while he was in the prisoner war camp. And he still kept escaping. It's like this man has got no legs. He's walking on artificial legs from the 40s, which were not comfortable legs. And he just still kept escaping. They had to keep moving him and moving him to more secure camps and prisons because he still kept escaping. Nothing was stopping him. He was not staying in prisons. And you may stand there and say, well, you don't know what it's like. You don't know how difficult it is. I've got this that's happened and this that's happened. If we really want to be free, we will fight to be free. I've got three questions for you. First one is this. What prevents me? What prevents us from being free? What is preventing you from being free? And you know, it's not freedom when manipulation is the path you take to get there. Very often, we'll manipulate things and move things around and say, oh, it's, this is going on and this is okay. And, you know, I'm doing it this way and I'm sorting it. I've done this because, because I couldn't work there and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't as helpful there. And, and that relationship didn't quite work out. So I, I've sort of done it this way and I found my freedom this way. If manipulation is the path that you've found to your freedom, it's not true freedom. Second question is this, what creates fear and anxiety in me? Because when you can pinpoint what creates that fear and anxiety, then you know the things that you need to be free from. Very often we'll say, oh, I want to be free, but we don't actually know what we need to be free from. We don't know what the things are that ensnare us and trap us. So if we can see the things that cause fear and anxiety to rise up within us, then actually it helps to set us free. Sit down and write them down. You might be surprised by it, but those are the things that will show you a pattern of the things that you need to move away from. The third question is this. What is a risk to my freedom? You know, we live in a country that generally looks for things that are risks to our freedom as a country. And sometimes they maybe don't always get it right. Sometimes they miss things. But generally, they'll, they'll have different things going on that will stop things that bring a risk to the freedom that we live in in this country. And it's the same for us. The land of your life is at risk. There are things that want to work against you to stop you being free. 
And we have to recognize and highlight those things and keep them out of our life. They may be toxic relationships. They may be things from the past. They may be things that are coming in the future that want to come and take away our freedom. There may be fear or anxiety that wants to come and take away your freedom. And we have to prevent those risks getting in. We have to protect ourselves and put a guard against them, just like, just like rulers of countries do. You know, it may be commitments that we make. Commitments that we make stop us being free. Now, commitments are a great thing, but sometimes we can go into things without realising what we're stepping into. We can go into a relationship without realising what we've committed to and stepped into. We can agree to do something and not realise what we've stepped into, and suddenly we're no longer free. We can agree that I'll do this thing for this person for however long, and suddenly we're not free anymore because it's brought and it's trapped us, because we don't understand the reality and the fullness of the commitment. Olivia and I went to McDonald's um, the other night. Sorry, Grace, we didn't take you. And um, we went, and they hadn't got the drink that I normally had. And I said, oh, what have you got instead? And he said, oh, we've got this iced something or this other iced thing or this other iced thing. And the first two I heard, and I was like, I don't really want them. I said, what was the third one again? And he said it again. And I said, yeah, I'll have that. And I thought he'd said, like, an an iced lemonade. And Olivia, actually, to be fair, thought he said the same thing. We got round to the window, and as he handed it in to me, I'm thinking, that's a funny-looking lemonade. And it was brown, and it was coffee. And it was actually an iced latte. And those of you who know me know that I really don't like coffee at all, even the smell of it. And I'd committed to it. I'd already paid for the thing, and I was a bit embarrassed, so I just drove off with it. And fortunately, my dad was at my house, and I just gave it to him. And I'm like, Dad, here you go. Have this iced latte. But I committed to something that I didn't actually hear what I was committing to. I didn't actually hear what he said. I thought he'd said something, but I still wasn't sure. And I didn't like to ask him a third time what he'd said. So I just agreed to it. Sometimes we can agree to things and say we'll do things. But actually, they're not good for us. They're not actually what we want to do. There's no freedom in it for us. I want to encourage you. Guard your heart against the things that would come and ensnare you. The third thing I want to say is this. Breathe new life into your kindness. And you know, kindness starts at home. And I don't mean with your family, I mean with you. Kindness starts with yourself. How kind are you to yourself? With your words, with your actions, with your time? with your generosity? How generous are you to yourself? How generous are you when you look in the mirror with what you see and what you say? Because God wants kindness to start there. You know, kindness to others can only go so deep as we go with ourselves. We've got to start with us. Otherwise, we just try and cover up how we feel about ourselves and and be really kind to everyone else to make up for it. And then it's just wearing. Can I encourage you? God loves you. God thinks you're beautiful. God thinks you're handsome. God thinks you're clever and smart. No matter how you see yourself or how the world has told you you are, God made you and he formed you in the palm of his hand. And he looked at you when he'd done it and said... Wow, that's good. 
And there's a, there's a verse in the book of Zephaniah in the Old Testament that says, when God looks at you, he does a whoop and he spins around. And some of us may go, that way he looks at me. But he does. When he looks at every single, and if you struggle, if you're thinking, ah, I really struggle to hear this, I'm just not going to listen, I'm going to fill my ears in. Then you need to do some work on being kind to yourself and loving yourself. Because God loves you. That much that he sent his son for you. Acts 28 verses 1 to 2 says this. And it's following um, Paul being on a boat that was heading to Rome and they were shipwrecked. And it says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And we talk about this scripture a lot. This is one of Paul's favourites, about the unusual kindness that they showed. That it was, it was out, going out of the way for them. That it was doing something different. It was unusual. You spot something when it's unusual, don't you? Let's be honest. The mum on the schoolyard who has pink or green or blue hair, depending on what day of the week it is, when I go and pick Olivia up, I spot her most weeks. She's very difficult to miss. She has colourful hair. It's unusual to the majority of the rest of the mums who, and dads who are on that playground. It's unusual. How unusual is your kindness that it actually stands out so that people recognise it and it points them to Jesus Christ? But you know, when you look at the second part of this verse, it says they built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Do you think they would have done it if it was sunny and warm? I just find it odd that they did it because it was raining and cold. And very often with kindness, we're kind to people because they're having a difficult time. We can be kind to people because they're struggling with illness, because, you know, something's gone on. Or there's reasons why we're kind to people. And me and Olivia like watching DIY SOS. I confess it. But, you know, I had a moment of, about a month or so ago, and I was like, you know, this program's amazing, that they go and help people, and they help these different people who are struggling, and they've got life circumstances that are horrendous, and you wouldn't want to wish on anybody. But they go in and help them because of those circumstances. They go and be kind to them because of those circumstances, yes? And very often on TV and from charitable things, people do something because... People are in need because people are struggling, because things are tough for them. But you know, God wants us to be kind just anyway. It's not because they are having difficulties or because of this or because of that or because of this sickness or because of this illness or because I like that person or because they're my friend. God wants us to be kind. God wants us to be kind to everyone. It says in the world, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. So before any of that, it just was. Everyone was still a sinner. Christ died. God's calling us to kindness, not because of something, but in spite of it. God's calling us to be kind to our enemies. God's calling us to be kind to people who've got everything and you think they don't need anything. We'll be kind to them anyway because it's that unusual kindness that stands out. The word kindness 
comes, is the root word for the English term philanthropy. And it talks about when a person who warmly loves others, treats them with respect, actively shares their kindness. I want to encourage you today that God wants to take us on a journey where we actively share our kindness. That we don't just do it when we think, oh, that person's in need or that person's got a difficulty. But we just actively share our kindness. Everywhere we go, we actively share our kindness. And that it's unusual, that it stands out, that it makes people stop and think and consider what is different here? What has happened? Be kind to people when life's tough, yes. But be kind to people when life's going well for them as well. Just be kind to people. I'm going to conclude. I want to encourage you this morning to be active with your passions, with your freedom and with your kindness. It's so easy to just get caught in a run-of-the-mill life and not take those moments to consider how we can grow and be active in those different areas. And it starts with you and it starts with me. First, make a decision. Choose your course. Second, make a step. And fight if necessary, if you need to get out of where you've been, but make a step. And the third thing I believe we need to do is invite God into the new thing that he's doing. Breathe new life. Breathe new life into where you're going and what you're believing. You're never too old. You're never too troubled. You're never too hard done by. You're never too doing really well for God to breathe new life into where you are and to what you're doing. Don't think God isn't interested in me because of this, because of this terrible thing or this wonderful thing. God wants to breathe new life into each and every one of us this morning. God wants to do something new and fresh. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, you may be in some wastelands. You may be in a desert place. You may be in a great place. But no matter where you are, God wants to do something new and something fresh in your life this morning. God wants you to let go of the past. Let go of what's gone on. Let go of the shame. Let go of it all so that you can move forward into the new that he's got. When it looks at talking about forgetting the former things, it means don't remember them. Don't preserve them. Sometimes we preserve our past. Even the hardest things, just because we do. Because we almost sit them on the mantelpiece and say, look at this, what went on for me. God says, don't preserve things anymore. Don't hold on to it anymore, but allow him to do something new. Allow him to do something fresh. Don't keep bringing those things to mind. Don't let them burn on you, but do something new and do something fresh. And this morning, we want to pray for you. And we don't do this every week, but we want to invite you to come forward. And 
we want to pray for you this morning. We want to pray for those three things. We want to pray that God would breathe something new into your passion. We want to pray that God would breathe something new into your freedom. If you feel like you're trapped and held down with something, we want to pray and breathe that new life into it. If you feel like you need some breakthrough with kindness, we want to pray for you. Or do you know what? If there's just something that I've said that struck a chord with you this morning, it doesn't have to be those things. Come forward because we want to pray for you because we're believing that God is going to do some healing and set people free today. If the band want to come and join me, that would be wonderful. And you know, sometimes when God does a work deep within us, it can be painful and it can be difficult. And you know, and if you're not used to being in church and seeing people prayed for, sometimes it can seem a bit strange and a bit unusual. And people can cry sometimes. Sometimes people can fall on the floor. And Paul was saying to me, just it's almost like it's almost like when you have an operation and, and you get put under an anesthetic and the doctors do an amazing work in you and then they wake you up. And it's like God does the same thing. He lies us down and says, just let me do this work in you. Let me just bring a healing to you. So if you see things that you're not used to, please come and speak to us after. Don't go away confused. But I really believe that God wants to move in people's lives, that he wants to set you free, that he wants to do something new and birth some new passions within you, that God wants to do something that will take us on a new path of destiny. God wants to take some of you out of the rapids where you've just been going round and round and round and he wants to bring you to a new place. Do not remember the former things. Behold. Behold, God says, I'm doing something new. And he wants to do that this morning in each of us. So we're going to stand and the bands are going to play. And as they do, just come forward. Come forward and stand along the front and some of the prayer team will come and pray for you. Come on, let's stand. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you want to breathe new life into us. We thank you that you are a good and a kind God. And God, we just pray this morning, as you unravel us, as you do something new and fresh in us, that we will no longer be slaves to our past, that we will no longer be slaves to the things that we have treasured up, but God, that we will be free in you, that you will do something miraculous in us. Holy Spirit, come and move this morning. Come and move this morning.